with us this morning. Uh, we're launching a new series today, and I'm going to intro that in just a moment. But there's two other things I just wanted to draw uh, to your attention. First off, we are launching groups uh, this week, and it's not too late to sign up for a group if, if you haven't yet. And you may be asking, what, what is a group? And a group at Church in the Valley is something that happens during the week um, at somebody's house where we, we get together and we actually talk about what does it mean to live for God? What does that look like? And how do we actually do that uh, in our lives? And we have a couple different groups uh, that we're being that we're offering that you can see uh, in the group catalog in your program. And I just wanted to draw the attention to if you're looking to, to kind of get to know people better at Church in the Valley and to build some friendships and maybe even to get some traction in your relationship with God, or you just like to maybe get some of your questions answered Groups are a prime way that this can happen. And so I just want to let you know, if you've not signed up for a group, it's not too late. Uh, There's a couple groups that are still open. Uh, You can put on the connection card that the group number and the the night of the week that that group meets. And here for my own my own life, being a part of a group since I've been around Church in the Valley has actually really helped me to uh, build relationships and also to to get that traction that that I really needed in my own spiritual life. And so I, I encourage you to. To explore a group, you're not locked into everything, anything, uh, but it, sometimes it's good just to kind of take a step out and get to know a group of people that, that you may not know. Uh, if you're a college student at USC, we encourage you to plug into groups there on campus. And so that's going to be, again, prime for you to build relationships uh, with each other as well. And speaking um, of college students, we have a college connect that I also wanted to draw your attention to at the end of... Uh, this month on September 27th. And if you're a college student, which I can see some of you little, little whoop. I'm the only one in college this morning. Um, sorry, I, I set you guys up for that. You're like, how do I even make that noise? I don't know. I just thought of it. Um, but if you're you're in college, we at Church in the Valley, we would actually like to to meet you and, and get to know you better. And we want this church to be a place where you can begin to get to know other people at church life and feel like you have a place where uh, you can be known and you can know others and also that you can grow in your relationship with God as well. And so oftentimes on a Sunday morning, it's busy. There's lots of things going on. And so on the 27th, we'd like to to offer you a free lunch at the Walker's house and other people within Church in the Valley will be there, some different leaders. And I just encourage you to, to attend that. And you can get to know each other better as well if you're in college and also meet some people at the church as well. And so if you're interested in that, uh, you can sign up on your connection card. We use the connection card as one of the prime ways you can communicate with us. And so if you mark that, we'll get you some more information. But we would love uh, for you to attend that on the end uh, at the end of this month. And so those are just a couple more things I wanted to draw to your attention. Uh, Today, uh, we're launching a series called Beginning Again. And it's the time of year, it's fall, and it's kind of the season change, and it goes from summer to fall. And here in Southern California, we actually don't really know what season changes are, uh, because it's been in like the 90s and 100s the last two weeks. But in other parts of the country, you actually can see things fall off of trees, and that signals that there's a season changing. But there is, school starts again, football teams get started again, everyone has a winning record except one team, they lost on Thursday. But it's kind of the time in life where we begin again, and life really does happen uh, in seasons. It happens uh, in cycles. And what you find in life 
is that sometimes that's true of seasons and that's true of maybe things starting and stopping projects that we have. But oftentimes in life, we may feel like we can never start again. We can't ever experience a fresh start. We wish we could, uh, but sometimes we just can't experience that. It feels like whatever we've done and wherever we've been, it's, it's always following us. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to actually be talking about the fact that change can actually be something that we can all experience in life. No matter who you are or your background or what you've done, you can actually experience change. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about how does that happen? And today we're talking about the starting point, where change comes from. And then over the next few weeks, I just want to kind of walk you through where we're going to be headed. And so this week we're talking about just change, where it comes from. And then the next week we're going to talk about how do we experience change uh, from our past and building on the rubble. As things get broken, as things get messed up, how do we experience change uh, in that as well? And then we're going to spend the series talking also about how to begin and again in, in our relationships. As you relate to people, as I relate to people, things get messed up relationally. And how do we begin again despite maybe some of the mess ups that we've had, whether it's been our fault or not? Uh, we're going to talk about beginning again in our finances and how do we actually experience a fresh start, maybe even despite some decisions that have caused some real problems for us. And then we're going to talk about beginning again at work and how do we actually start over if we feel like we're in a dead end job or our ambition is gone or where we wanted to be is not where we are and and how do we begin again and then. And then we're going to close out the series really talking about how do we kind of have a fresh start and begin again even in our thinking. Because part of the problem with me is that I'm always in the equation of my life. Is that true for you? Yes, it's true for all of us. We're always in the main equation of our life because it's our life. And sometimes for me, I can never get away from the decisions I've made and my thinking. And sometimes my thinking and my decisions cause problems. So we're going to kind of close out the series talking about how do you actually begin again in the very place that you think and make decisions. So this is kind of the the big picture this morning. And we hope that you'll be able to come uh, for the next six weeks as we kind of play, play this out. For me personally, I usually can use a fresh start every day. And I know that because I wake up sometimes and I have like the best intentions in mind. And usually by myself, like my day is going really well. And then I interact with people. You know what I'm saying? Like you have the perfect day and you realize that you haven't seen anyone and you've not done anything. And everything's going according to plan. And then you see somebody and you interact, whether it's a family member, whether it's a roommate, whether it's a friend, whether it's your boss, whether it's a coworker. And then all of a sudden the day that you had that was like the perfect clean slate, it gets messed up. And oftentimes I need fresh starts in my attitude. I need fresh start in my goals because what I wanted to happen didn't happen. And I experience a lot of frustration. And so we kind of want to capitalize on this idea of how do we experience a fresh start in life altogether? How do we actually change. And you remember the phrase like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You heard of that phrase before? It's kind of like the sense of if you've lived long enough and you've messed up enough and you just kind of in your rut and you're kind of in your ways, you're just an old dog. You're just going to lie in that same spot every day and eat at the same time that you've always eaten. 
You're that old dog. There's no new tricks that can be taught. But what, what you find in life is that if that really is the truth, at what point do you reach an age or reach experiences where you're just like, well, it is what it is. Life is what it is. And do you just have to rest in the disappointment? Do you just have to rest in your situation? And what you find is in Scripture, that actually couldn't be further than the truth. No matter where you are, no matter how long you've been doing, maybe your own strategies, your own thinking, whether that's been good or whether that's been bad, you can actually change. And that's what you find in the Scriptures. That's what you find as you decide to walk with God. Change can be something that can be experienced. But for me, oftentimes, again, I I can't get past just the feeling of all the things that I've done that that I regret. I don't know if you ever watched the show where it's like, I think it was on like Nickelodeon back in the day where like you would get slimed. Do you remember that show? I think we have an image of that. Do you remember that? I don't know what it is, but something as a kid, it's like the coolest thing ever. One, adults getting slimed. But it's just the greatest image. You think to yourself like, I just want to get slimed. And I went through a period of time where I thought that'd be really cool. And then I upped my ambition in life. I thought, you know, being slimed isn't really a good life goal. But what happens is, is oftentimes in life, this is what we feel like walking around. You can't see it, but it's within us. In fact, we're kind of slimed on the inside. And it's filled with regret or it's filled with disappointment. And this is what we can carry with us throughout life. So it begs the question, again, what do we do if this is true of our situation? And what you find is the scriptures were given to us to give us hope that this slime and what we've experienced in life is not the end. There's more to it. And it begins with the idea of you actually have to have an accurate viewpoint of our situation in life. An accurate read of our situation in life is of prime importance. What it means is how we read our life and what we see it as actually determines a lot. Okay, what you see and then what you choose based on what you see, it impacts your life. And really, you have to change your perspective to actually change your life. You actually have to begin to see things differently. I don't know if you've ever tried to change an area of your life and you've not been able to do it. Well, that's on the inward, inward, just something that bothers you and you wish it didn't bother you anymore. Or if it's outwardly, you maybe wish you could get fit and you've, you're not fit and you want to get back in shape. And you've always kind of tried to change whether how you look or how you feel and you can't do it. Well, to change, you actually have to look at things differently. And so the problem with all of us, me and you and everyone on the face of the planet, is our situation can all be read the same way. And that is, we actually have a spiritual problem. We all do. We all have a spiritual problem. And that's why things get messed up. That's why plans fail. That's why we sin. That's why we're selfish. That's why we hurt people and people hurt us. It begins with this sin that we've all gone our own way. And part of the reason you kind of come up with this phrase of you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's kind of like saying. We're all going to be the old dog. We're all going to be the sinner. And that's actually true. We're going to battle sin 
and wanting to pursue our own interests above others for the rest of our life. We are. That's our state. That's the world in which we live. But what's interesting about change is oftentimes we don't see it as a spiritual problem. We see it as a me problem. We see it as a you problem. We see it as an us problem. So as long as I fix me, I can solve the problem. As long as I fix you, I can solve our problem. As long as I fix us, there will be no problems. That's made up a lot about music. Those make some great songs. If I could just fix you. Or if you could fix me. You guys hear, I'm just feeling that right there. It's like, jam, come on. Like, that's the radio. Just you fix me. I fix you. Baby, that's love. Right? That's, that's the kind of the experience of life. We've all got to fix each other with all these problems. But what you find is, that is not the answer to a spiritual problem. And what you find again and again in the scriptures is the only answer to a spiritual problem is spiritual. You actually can't solve a spiritual problem by self-effort. Trying to make it up yourself. You can't. It's a spiritual problem. So spiritual problems can only be fixed with God. Who is spiritual. And who is the one true God. Who holds spirit and truth. He is the only one that can actually fix our spiritual problem. But that's really important. Because if you realize that you have a problem that you can't solve, does that change what you do? I don't know if you've ever tried to fix something like a tool. I once tried to put a toilet seat on. I don't know if you've ever done that. But putting a toilet seat, I'm I'm saying like the whole bowl. Sorry, not the seat, like the whole thing. Like a seat is kind of tricky. But the whole thing is like a nightmare if your name is Alex Barrett. I'm not handy. And once I had to replace a whole toilet bowl, and I'm, I was doing it with my father-in-law, which, you ever work with like a, your father-in-law on the home improvement project? You learn a lot about yourself, okay? He had a lot of wisdom, and he had a lot of experience, and I just figured, I'm going to will this toilet into the position it needs to be. And it was about 1130 at night, and we'd worked on our house and been fixing everything up. And I had the wrong bolt to secure the toilet. Now, if you're asking the question, do you need a bolt to secure the toilet? Have you ever sat on a toilet? It needs to be secured. Okay. And so I realized I actually had the wrong bolt. But I just thought if I like muscle it in there enough and tighten it enough, I will secure it enough. And so I'm just getting frustrated. And like at the same, you know, this whole time I'm like, get frustrated because I am frustrated, but not too frustrated. Because I'm married to his daughter. This is all going in my head. And so I'm just getting frustrated and it's getting late. And, and he just says, hey, you know, um, we, just, we don't have the right tool. We can't, we can't fix it. And I, I heard what he said and it was like, I know you're right, but I don't think you're right. Because I'm going to keep on going. And so I just kept going and going. And finally, I just, I couldn't get this bolt secured. And I was so frustrated because it was this, I wanted to fix it. I wanted it to be done. I wanted to check it off. But I actually had the wrong tool. So the next day, we actually got the right bolt, and it was secured in about five minutes. I might add that I did not secure it. My father-in-law stepped in. I think he knew there needed to be a little intervention. Okay? But case in point, 
this is how life is. We usually have a bolt that we think will fix us. And whatever that bolt represents, whether that's by self-effort or coaching or somebody else or the perfect situation, we find if we can align everything a certain way, everything's going to flow and work out for us. But what you find is, is we actually can't fix us. Our bolts that we have in our life don't fix us. There's nothing we can do. And if that was where we were left, that would be a very desperate situation. And so what I want to do is I want to look at a passage in Scripture in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament that describes our spiritual situation, the condition in which we are, our identity, and then how God solves the problem that we each have spiritually. So I hope you can follow along. You can read the Scriptures on the screen. But here's the bottom line of the New Testament and the Old Testament and the summary of the relationship that God has with those that he's created. And that is only God can give us what is needed to start over in life. He made us. And because of our own choices, we've, we've all messed up. We've all gone our own way. We've talked about that before. We're kind of on our own path, wanting to please ourselves. But God made us. And since he's the designer and he's the creator, he knows what to do to fix our situation. What you find it again and again is life is made of a series of choices where we either get this or we don't. And we may try to start over ourselves. We may try to fix things ourselves. We may try to change people ourselves. But it only comes back to this point. Will we actually agree that God is the only one that can change us and give us a fresh start? So that's that's really where it begins. And in the book of Ephesians, you kind of get this summary of, of what that looks like. And so I'm just going to start in Ephesians chapter two. OK, and this is, again, the description. It begins with this idea. The root problem can't be fixed by self effort. That's the root problem. We can't fix ourselves. And this is what it says. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Again, it's describing the spiritual condition. You were dead in the trespasses and sins because of what we've all done, the choices that we've made, the fact that we've all wanted to live an independent life where we call our own shots. We experience experience spiritual death. And that's what sin is. And so we're dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. So there's a sense in which we've all sinned. We've all trespassed. We've all gone into territory that we shouldn't be in. We've gone outside the boundary. And the writer goes on further, following the course of this world. So what we've done is all normal. Why? Because we've all done it. So the condition we're in is all universal. But we've all sinned. And we've all gone our own way. Following the prince of the power of the air. The idea is... We're actually following the course that's set by the enemy of God, which is Satan himself. And all he is doing is just leading us to the way that shows us how to get life independent of God. That's who Satan is. He always wants us to believe that we can live life independent of God and it will work out. So we're following him. And then the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So what it does is as we go our own way. And we look around, everyone's going their own way. It makes more and more sense. We all go our own way. So let's just do what we want. 
Because that's what we do. And it makes complete sense, right? Because you're following the herd and the crowd of people. But we're all dead. So we're, we're like spiritual zombies that we're all just around each other like, isn't this awesome? Like, we're all dead spiritually. And we're zombies. And we're all just walking together. And our leader is just leading us off a cliff to death. That's what the writer is explaining here. So work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So the picture is we're all messed up. And it's not just something that we're kind of like, yeah, I don't really want to do this. You get the sense of the passions of our flesh. We want to do things that we really want to do really bad. And we like it. In fact, we love it. We love doing what we want. And we love being with a bunch of people that do what they want. So this culture that's being described. And this culture is a culture of disobedience. It's a culture of spiritual death. And here's the news that the writer is saying. We are all in this movement of people. We were all this way. He's actually writing to people who have decided to follow Jesus. And so as he's describing this, he's painting the picture of the contrast that following Jesus is compared to this. And this is helpful because this is the condition in which we all are. And so the root problem is we can't fix ourselves by self-effort. And why is that? Because we're dead. Has anything dead ever done anything? No. If you're dead, you can't do anything. And so he's using this contrast to show the futility of self-effort. Because if you're dead, there is no effort. You're dead. I want to show a clip. This is maybe one of the most like quoted movies of all time. And you either love this movie or you hate this movie. And there is no judgment here this morning. But this is a movie from The Princess Bride. And if you've never seen The Princess Bride, just go see it. Just don't take your one takeaway from today, that being it, okay? Learn a little bit more than I need to go see Princess Bride. But let's watch this clip that describes the condition in which we're all in. Look who knows so much, huh? Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. Now, mostly dead, he's slightly alive. Now, all dead, well, with all dead, there's usually only one thing that you can do. What's that? Go through his clothes and look for loose change. Just in case you didn't know, there is mostly dead. And then there's dead. And then I don't think this works for CPR. I'm just, just don't try it at home. Okay? I don't think that works. But that really, as funny as that is, we still wrestle with that. And we tend to think we have certain problems. And we have certain regrets. And we have certain choices that we wish we didn't make. But we always come back to the point of, are we all dead or mostly dead? Mostly dead is, 
I have problems, but if I try hard enough, it will work out. I have problems, but if I follow my heart, everything will work out. I have problems, but if this person helps me, it will all work out. That's living mostly dead. All dead is. Silent, see, you're dead. All dead is, there's nothing I can do. I have a problem I cannot solve. And so you see this contrast and then the writer goes on. And here's the good news. We're never left hanging in a relationship with God where we're given our situation and then we're just left to figure it out. That's the beauty of following Jesus Christ and actually reading the word of God. It is laid out. And as you read it, you see how life flows. And so what is so comforting and what the writer is showing, despite the situation and how dire it is, and the fact that we're all dead man walking like zombies, there's hope. And so we can't fix ourselves by self-effort. But the next part is where the picture changes. God graciously made us alive in Christ. So there is no such thing as being mostly dead. It's all dead. And the reason that's important is, again, because of self-effort. But if you're made alive and you're dead, isn't that such a better picture than being alive and you're mostly dead? Well, I'm alive, but I wasn't really dead. What's the big deal? In a spiritual sense, that death signifies the fact that we cannot save ourselves. And so that when we are made alive in Jesus Christ... It is this resurrection of something that was dead that is now made alive. And when you begin to follow Jesus Christ and you decide that you want to go his way and not your own, you want to get out of this death march and you actually want to find out what he has to say about how to live your life, you experience this move from death to life. And it is one of the greatest pictures that you could ever see. If you're wanting to know what it means to be a Christian, try to find somebody that is a new Christian. Somebody that has just moved from death to life and see what God begins to do in their heart. Because we can all be skeptical, but once you see people change and you see decisions shift, relationships change, people treat each other differently, then the death to life becomes more real. You can see it and you can experience it. And so the writer goes on and says this, but God, that's very important, but God, despite our situation, but God, the initiator being rich in mercy because of his or because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Again, he's come to the terms that everyone agrees they're all dead, not mostly, not majority or maybe not a little. We're all dead. So he keeps coming back to that. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. And how did this happen? By grace, you have been saved. Saved from what? From death. And how did we get death? Because of sin. And we were all born in it. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So here's the contrast. Death to life. The death march to the heavenly place. That's what happens. There's a sense in which you now, despite what you've done and despite what you've experienced and the choices that you've made, 
you can now be rescued. And you can experience change. And that's what the writer is saying. So even though that we're separated, let's think of separated. There's like, like sin, it separates us from God. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever wondered, like, well, how much does sin kind of separate us from God? Well, God is perfect. And he's never sinned and he never will sin. He's never caused anyone to sin. And so sinning and God, they're actually, you you can't equate the two. They don't belong together. And so if here I am with my sin, where is God? Well, God is like on the other side and there's this super, super, super huge canyon that separates us. Because again, he can't be where I am because of my sin. And so we look at like the life we want and we maybe even look at the relationship with God that we want. And we think, well, I, I'm just going to jump this canyon because I can do it because I'm mostly dead. And I don't even think a jump being mostly dead would be advisable. But if you're fully dead, you can't jump at all. And what he's saying is there's nothing that we can do that can separate us or that can bring us across this canyon. The only thing that can bring us from where we are in our sin to God and the life that he wants is through Jesus Christ. That's it. The canyon has now been bridged through Jesus and the grace that he gives. And this grace, that's unmerited favor. Nothing you can do to earn it. And it is the bridge to God and the life that he wants. Not about you. But is there anything that offers so much hope to anyone? I don't think so. There is nothing that can compare to the truth of what God has done out of his love for us. He sent us Jesus Christ so we may be able to move from death to life. And then he goes on further and it gets even better. So there's nothing that we can do by self-effort. And then God graciously makes us alive if we choose to follow him. And then the third point is the power for change is the grace of God. That's how we can change. That's where the power comes. And you'll see there on the scripture, it goes on further. It says this, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. Now pay attention to this. And this is not your own doing. Why is it not your own doing? Because we're dead. Because we're dead. For by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Grace is a gift. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. This is the picture of what it means to be a Christian. You recognize you have a problem. You have nothing you can do to solve your problem. And then you see that the problem can only be solved through Jesus Christ and the grace that is a gift which is given. That's it. That's what it means. There's nothing we can do ourselves. It is the gift of God. I've been a parent now for nine years, and there's two pictures I remember specifically which reminds me of this spiritual condition. And there are two situations in life. This is going to sound awful, 
but there were two times where like my kids almost drowned. Okay. First time my daughter was about one and I was about to put her floaties on her. Maybe she's one and a half. I was about to put her floaties on because she didn't know how to swim. And I blew up the floaties. I went to pick up the other floaty and she jumped in without floaties. And I just watched her. It wasn't like my best time of being a dad. I just watched her. I was like, she just jumped in. Why did she jump in? Like, I, like, this isn't like minutes. This is seconds, right? And then I just hear my wife, go get her! I apologize. That was a little chicken sounding, but go get her. And right then I was like, oh yeah, like, we have to go get her. And so I, I had all my clothes on. I think I had a bathing suit. I had my flip-flops on. I just jumped in. And then right as I was in the air, I realized like, oh no, I didn't really plan the landing because I jumped right on her. Yeah, I was like dad of the year award right there. I'm going to rescue you after I break your back with my knee. So I, I, in the air, I'm like, oh no. And I just, I smack her. I pick her up and really by the grace of God, she had held her breath and she just had a big smile on her face and a big welt on her back. And I realized at that time, like there was nothing that she could do. And then last summer, <laughs> this is like, no one is ever going to let me be at a pool party where kids are involved. These are all my own kids. But last summer, my son is playing on a steps at a swimming pool and he's on the steps, but he doesn't have floaties. And he forgets that he doesn't know how to swim or have floaties on. And so he just is in the water. And I'm, I'm like with the other kids and my wife, I hear her making a noise and it's not really audible. It's something like, and I'm like looking at my daughter swimming. I'm like, she's fine. She's not going to hit anything. And all of a sudden I hear, Jude! and my wife jumps in. It's like the same exact picture clothes on but she actually planned the landing didn't hit him and right before she got to him i see him look he's underwater looking at me i can't get that image off my like out of my head he's just eyes looking at me and right before she got there it was like no Good thing mommy's there. And she picks him up. And he was fine too. But in both those instances, it just is stark how helpless they were. And all my kids like now know how to swim, you know, which I'm very thankful. But they're still as helpless. Things can happen. But that represents just the spiritual reality of all of us. We're, we're that helpless. And we, a lot of times in life, experience all these things that happen to us, and we mess up and keep banging our heads up against the wall, and we're just like, look, those two eyes looking out, like, what do I do? Is this it? And we're underwater, and we can't breathe, and we're suffocating. What the scriptures are saying is Jesus, because God told him, as like the lifeboat, you go rescue them, and he pulled us out of the water. Despite how helpless we are, God can make us alive spiritually. 
And so if you've been investigating and you kind of feel like you're that person under the water, ask God for help. Ask God, say, God, I don't know if you're real or relationship with you is real. But can you help me just understand you more? Ask him that. It's one of the ways you'll figure out if he's real. Ask him for help. So if you're investigating, continue to investigate. If you're here this morning and and you may have been a Christian a long time, and you may still try to be on your own improvement plan. You know God has given you power and you know God has given you his son Jesus, but you're facing things in your life right now which you've done a long time. Just maybe they're patterns. Maybe they're sin. Maybe it's decisions. Maybe it's an attitude. Just some real struggles. And you realize that you just you can't change. And as frustrating as that is, and as hard as that is, you, you're just... It feels kind of hopeless. What this is saying is we have to get to the point where we can tell God, God, I cannot change me. God, I cannot change them. But by your grace, will you do it? Will you do it? And so whatever you're facing this morning, I don't know what it is entirely, but I know all of us are facing certain anxieties. We may be facing certain people that are difficult to relate to. We may be facing just some circumstances which are really overwhelming. I encourage you this morning. How you view your situation and who can actually help you in your life is of extreme importance. Because until you realize that it is God and God alone that can give you the power to change, you're just going to stay underwater, stay underwater, and stay underwater. And until we admit that, we actually can't change. Because God is the only one that can help us with this spiritual problem. The last part of this verse describes what God does as we begin again. So when we get to the point where we decide, I'm no longer going to try to change me. I'm no longer going to try to improve me. I'm no longer going to try to fix others. This is what God does. You see it in verse 10. You could put that up there. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, the pull for all of us is we always think we should be better than we are. You ever done something? You're like, why did I do that? You're so frustrated. Maybe you snapped at someone and you've been really trying to work on that. Maybe you missed the deadline at work and you've been really trying to work at that. You get to the point where you just you keep failing. It feels like you keep failing and you keep failing. What this is saying is when we connect, connect with God and we decide to go his way, we become this new masterpiece that he creates. That word there, the workmanship, comes from the Greek word poema. It's the only place in the New Testament that has this. It's this work of art. So as you're made alive, God gives you actually a form. He makes you a unique person that's not like anyone else. And you are a piece of a masterpiece that he's working on within you. And the outflow of that is good things and good deeds. The very thing that we try to start with in the beginning, our own self-improvement, our own effort, God actually does through us as we realize that we can't do it ourselves. So it's very counterintuitive. The place that we begin is very different than when we land. But the result is a changed life and something that's very different. 
So I want to encourage you. What's your condition right now in your life? Are you living mostly dead or are you dead? And you just need to come to the point where you realize you need God's help. And no matter where you're, whether you're investigating Christianity or you've been walking with God a long time, we always need a refresher on where are we and who is the one that can bring about the change. And so I want you just to encourage you to kind of think about that. And there's some next steps that you can take this morning uh, on the back of your connection card. So as I wrap up, I want to invite the band up and you can fill out those next steps. And like John mentioned, we're going to be receiving our offering and you can drop that in in there. But if you've never committed your life to Christ and you realize that you're dead and you need to be made alive, I encourage you, you can mark that first box to commit your life to Christ. And spiritually, you can be made alive today as you do that. We'd love to send you information about what that looks like and and follow up with you. Uh, The second next step is maybe you need just to determine one area of your life where you need to begin again. Where do you need a fresh start? Because as you identify that, that's where God begins to speak. So take some time. Where is it that you just need a do-over? You need a fresh start. And then the last is just attend the rest of the series. Come and see what God has to say about the other areas of life. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing a song back to God. Let's pray together. God, we, we thank you for Jesus and the hope that we have to be able to move from death to life. And I pray, God, that as we look at our situation and our spiritual problem, that we'll be real with you, that we won't play games, we won't try to do anything out of appearances or what we think we should do. But God, help us to know that in you we can have help and we can have the power to change. So God, I pray that if there's anyone that's facing something that seems beyond them, God, that's the very place where you can begin to work. And so, God, I pray that we'll look to you, we'll trust you, and we'll no longer try to do things by our own self-effort. In the name of Jesus, amen.